Book Three, Canto Six, The Legend of Britomartis. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alan Brown. The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. Book Three. The Legend of Britomartis. Canto Six. The birth of fair Belphoebe and of Amoret is told. The gardens of Adonis fraught with pleasures manifold. Well may I ween of fair ladies all this while you wonder how this noble damosel so great perfections did in her compile, sith that in salvage forests she did dwell, so far from court and royal citadel. The great schoolmistress of all courtesy seemeth that such wild woods should far expel all civil usage and gentility, and gentle sprite deform with rude rusticity. But to this fair Belphoebe in her birth, the heavens so favourable were and free, looking with mild aspect upon the earth, in the horoscope of her nativity, that all the gifts of grace and chastity on her they poured forth a plenteous horn. Jove laughed on Venus from his sovereign sea, and Phoebus with fair beams did her adorn, and all the graces rocked her cradle being born. Her birth was of the womb of morning dew, and her conception of the joyous prime, and all her whole creation did her shoe, pure and unspotted from all loathly crime, that is ingenerate in fleshly slime. So was this virgin born, so was she bred, so was she trained up from time to time in all chaste virtue and true bounty head, till to her due perfection she was ripened. Her mother was the fair Chrysogony, the daughter of Amphysa, who by race a fairy was, a born of high degree. She bore Belphoebe. She bore in like case fair Amoretta in the second place. These two were twinnes, and twixt them two did share the heritage of all celestial grace, that all the rest it seemed they robbed bare of bounty and of beauty and all virtues rare. It were a goodly story to declare by what strange accident fair Chrysogony conceived these infants, and how them she bare. In this wild forest, wandering all alone, after she had nine months fulfilled and gone, for not as other women's commune brood, they were enwombed in the sacred throne of her chaste body, nor with commune food, as other women's babes, they sucked vital blood. But wondrously they were begot and bred, through influence of the heaven's fruitful ray. As it in antique books is mentioned, it was upon a summer's shiny day, when Titan fair his beams did display, in a fresh fountain, far from all men's view, she bathed her breast, the boiling heat to lay. She bathed with roses red and violets blue, 
and all the sweetest flowers that in the forest grew. Till faint, through irksome weariness adown, upon the grassy ground herself she laid to sleep, the whiles a gentle slumbering swoon upon her fell all naked bare displayed, the sunbeams bright upon her body played, being through former bathing mollified, and pierced into her womb, where they embayed with so sweet sense and secret power unspied, that in her pregnant flesh they shortly fructified. Miraculous may seem to him that readeth so strange ensample of conception, but reason teacheth that the fruitful seeds of all things living, through impression of the sunbeams in moist complexion, do life conceive and quickened are by kind. So, after Nihilus' inundation, infinite shapes of creatures men do find, informed in the mud on which the sun hath shined. Great Father He of generation is rightly called the author of life and light, and his fair sister for creation ministereth matter fit, which tempered right with heat and humour breedeth the living white. So sprung these twins in womb of Chrysogony, yet wist she not thereof but sore affright, wondered to see her belly so upblown, which still increased till she her term had full outgone. Whereof conceiving shame and full disgrace, albe her guiltless conscience her cleared, she fled into the wilderness of space, till that unwieldy burden she had reared, and shunned dishonour, which is death she feared, where weary of long travel, down to rest herself she set, uncomfortably cheered, there a sad cloud of sleep her o'erkest, and seized every sense with sorrow sore oppressed. It fortuned, fair Venus having lost her little sonna, the winged god of love, who for some light displeasure, which him crossed, was from her fled, as flit as airy dove, and left her blissful bower of joy above. So from her often he had fled away, when she for aught him sharply did reprove, and wandered in the world in strange array, disguised in thousand shapes that none might him bewray. Him for to seek she left her heavenly house, the house of a goodly forms and fair aspects, whence all the world derives the glorious features of beauty, and all shapes select, with which high God his workmanship hath decked, and searched every way, through which his wings had borne him, or his tract she might detect. She promised kisses sweet, and sweeter things unto the man that of him tidings to her brings. First she him sought in court, where most he used whilom to haunt, but there she found him not, but many there she found which sore accused his falsehood, and with foul infamous blot his cruel deeds and wicked wiles did spot. Ladies and lords she everywhere mought hear, complaining, how with his empoisoned shot their woeful hearts he wounded had wheelier. And so had left them languishing twixt hope and fear. She then the city sought from gate to gate, and every one did ask, did he him see, 
and every one her answered that too late he had him seen and felt the cruelty of his sharp darts and what artillery and every one threw forth reproaches rife of his mischievous deeds and said that he was the disturber of all civil life the enemy of peace and the author of all strife then in the country she abroad him sought and in the rural cottages inquired where also many plaints to her were brought how he their heedless hearts with love had fired and his false venom through their veins inspired and eke the gentle shepherd swains which sat keeping their fleecy flocks as they were hired she sweetly heard complain both how and what her son had to them done yet she did smile thereat but when in none of all these she him got she gan avise where else he might him hide at last she here bethought that she had not yet sought the salvage woods and forests wide in which full many lovely nymphs abide mongst whom might be that he did closely lie or that the love of some of them him tied for thy she thither cast her course to apply to search the secret haunts of diana's company shortly unto the wasteful woods she came whereas she found the goddess with her crew after late chase of their embrued game sitting beside a fountain in a rue some of them washing with the liquid dew from off their dainty limbs the dusty sweat and soil which did deform their lively hue others lay shaded from the scorching heat the rest upon her person gave attendance great she having hung upon a bough on high her bow and painted quiver had unlaced her silver buskins from her nimble thigh and her lank loins ungirt in breasts unbraced after her heat that breathing cold to taste her golden locks that late in tresses bright embreaded were for hindering of her haste now loose upon her shoulders hung undight and were with sweet ambrosia all besprinkled light soon as she venus saw behind her back she was ashamed to be so loose surprised and walks half wroth against her damsel slack that had not her thereof before avised but suffered her so carelessly disguised be overtaken soon her garments loose upgathering in her bosom she comprised well as she might unto the goddess rose whiles all her nymphs did like a girland her enclose goodly she gan fair cytherea greet and shortly asked her what cause her brought into that wilderness for her unmeet from her sweet bowers and beds with pleasures fraught that sudden change she strange adventure thought to whom half weeping she thus answered that she her dearest son cupido sought who with his frowardness from her was fled that she repented sore to have him angered thereat diana gan to smile in scorn of her vain plaint and to her scoffing said great pity sure that ye be so forlorn of your gay son that gives ye so good aid to your disports ill mote ye bane paid but she was more engrieved and replied fair sister ill beseems it to upbraid a doleful heart with so disdainful pride the like that mine 
may be your pain another tide. As you in woods and wanton wilderness your glory set, to chase the salvage beasts, so my delight is all in joyfulness, in beds, in bowers, in banquets, and in feasts, and ill becomes you with your lofty creasts, to scorn the joy that Jove is glad to seek. We both are bound to follow heaven's behests, and tend our charges with obeisance meek. Spare, gentle sister, with reproach my pain to eke, and tell me, if that ye my son have heard, to lurk amongst your nymphs in secret wise, or keep their cabins, much I am afeard, lest he like one of them himself disguise, and turn his arrows to their exercise. So may he long himself full easy hide, for he is fair and fresh in face and guise, as any nymph, let not it be annoyed. So saying, every nymph full narrowly she eyed. But Phoebe therewith sore was angered, and sharply said, Go, dame, go seek your boy, where you him lately left, in Mars his bed. He comes not here. We scorn his foolish joy, ne lend we leisure to his idle toy. But if I catch him in this company, by Stygian lake I vow, whose sad annoy the gods do dread, he dearly shall abide. I'll clip his wanton wings, that he no more shall fly. Whom, when his Venus saw so sore displeased, she inly sorry was, and gan relent what she had said. So her she soon appeased, with sugared words and gentle blandishment, which as a fountain from her sweet lips went, and welled goodly forth, that in short space she was well pleased, and forth her damsels sent, through all the woods to search from place to place, if any tract of him or tidings they might trace. To search the god of love her nymphs she sent, throughout the wandering forest everywhere, and after them herself ache with her went, to seek the fugitive both far and near, so long they sought, till they arrived where, in that same shady covert, whereas lay fair Chrysogony in slumbery trance with air, who in her sleep, a wondrous thing to say, unwares had borne two babes, as fair as springing day. Unwares she them conceived, unwares she bore, she bore without in pain that she conceived without in pleasure. Nay, her need implore Lucina's aid, which when they both perceived, they were through wonder nigh of sense bereaved, and gazing each on other, not bespake, at last they both agreed, her seeming grieved, out of her heavy swoon not to awake, but from her loving side the tender babes to take. Up they them took her, each one a babe up took her, and with them carried to be fostered. Dame Phoebe to a nymph her babe betook, to be upbrought in perfect maidenhead, and of herself her name Belphoebe read. But Venus, hers thence far away conveyed, to be upbrought in goodly womanhead, and in her little love's stead, which was strayed, her Amoretta called to comfort her dismayed. She brought her to her joyous paradise, where most she wants, when she on earth does dwell, 
so fair a place as nature can devise, whether in Paphos or Scytheran hill, or it in Gnidus be, I wot not well, but well I wot by trial, that this same all other pleasant places doth excel, and call it by her lost lover's name, the garden of Adonis, far renowned by fame. In that same garden all the goodly flowers, wherewith dame nature doth her beautify, and decks the girlands of her paramours are fetched. There is the first seminary of all things that are born to live and die, according to their kinds. Long work it were, here to account the endless progeny of all the weeds that bud and blossom there, but so much as doth need, must needs be counted here. It sighted was in fruitful soil of old, and girt in with two walls on either side, the one of iron, the other of bright gold, that none might thorough break, nor overstride, and double gates it had, which opened wide, by which both in and out men molten pass, the one fair and fresh, the other old and dried. Old genius the porter of them was, old genius the which a double nature has. He letteth in, he letteth out to wend, all that to come into the world desire. A thousand thousand naked babes attend about him day and night, which do require that he with fleshly weeds would them attire. Such as him list, such as eternal fate ordained hath, he clothed with sinful mire, and sendeth forth to live in mortal state, till they again return back by the hinder gate. After that they again returned being, they in that garden planted be again, and grow afresh, as they had never seen fleshly corruption nor mortal pain. Some thousand years so doen they there remain, and then of him are clad with other hue, or sent into the changeful world again, till thither they return where first they grew. So like a wheel around they run from old to new. Ne needs their gardener to set or sow, to plant or prune, for of their own accord all things as they created were do grow. And yet remember well the mighty word, which first was spoken by the Almighty Lord, that bade them to increase and multiply, ne do they need with water of the ford, or of the clouds to moisten their roots dry, for in themselves eternal moisture they imply. Infinite shapes of creatures there are bred, and uncouth forms, which none yet ever knew, and every sort is in a sundry bed, set by itself, and ranked in comely rue, some fit for reasonable souls tend you, some made for beasts, some made for birds to wear, and all the fruitful spawn of fishes hue, in endless ranks along enranged were, that seemed the ocean could not contain them there. Daily they grow, and daily forth are sent into the world, it to replenish more. Yet is the stock not lessened, nor spent, but still remains in everlasting store, as it at first created was of yore. 
for in the wide womb of the world there lies in hateful darkness and in deep horror an huge eternal chaos which supplies the substances of nature's fruitful progenies all things from thence do their first being fetch and borrow matter whereof they are made which when as form and feature it does catch becomes a body and doth then invade the state of life out of the greasly shade that substance is etern and bideth so nay when the life decays and form does fade doth it consume and into nothing go but challenged is and often altered to and fro the substance is not challenged nor altered but the only form and outward fashion for every substance is conditioned to change her hue and sundry forms to dawn meet for her temper and complexion for forms are variable and decay by course of kind and by occasion and that fair flower of beauty fades away as doth the lily fresh before the sunny ray great enemy to it and to all the rest that in the garden of adonis springs is wicked time who with his scythe addressed does mow the flowering herbs and goodly things and all their glory to the ground down flings where they do wither and are foully marred he flies about and with his flaggy wings beats down both leaves and buds without regard nay ever pity may relent his malice hard yet pity often did the gods relent to see so fair things marred and spoiled quite and their great mother venus did lament the loss of her dear brood her dear delight her heart was pierced with pity at the sight when walking through the garden them she spied yet note she find redress for such despite for all that lives is subject to that law all things decay in time and to their end do draw but were it not that time their troubler is all that in this delightful garden grows should happy be and have immortal bliss for here all plenty and all pleasure flows and sweet love gentle fits amongst them throws without fell rancor or fond jealousy frankly each paramour his layman knows each bird his mate nay any does envy their goodly merriment and gay felicity there is continual spring and harvest there continual both meeting at one time for both the boughs do laughing blossoms bear and with fresh colours deck the wanton prime and ecotons the heavy trees they climb which seem to labour under their fruits load the whiles the joyous birds make their pastime amongst the shady leaves their sweet abode and their true loves without suspicion tell abroad right in the middest of that paradise there stood a stately mount on whose round top a gloomy grove of myrtle trees did rise whose shady boughs sharp steel did never lop nor wicked beasts their tender buds did crop but like a girland compassed the height and from their fruitful sides sweet gum did drop 
that all the ground with precious dew bedight, threw forth most dainty odors, and most sweet delight. And in the thickest covert of that shade there was a pleasant arbor, not by art, but of the tree's own inclination made, which knitting their rank branches part to part, with wanton yewy twine entrailed athwart, and eglantine and caprifole among, fashioned above with their inmost part, that nether Phoebus beams could through them throng, nor Aeolus sharp blast could work them any wrong. And all about grew every sort of flower, to which sad lovers were transformed of yore. Fresh Hyacinthus, Phoebus Paramour, and dearest love, foolish Narcissa, that likes the watery shore, sad Amaranthus made a flower but late, sad Amaranthus in whose purple gore Meseems I see Amintas, wretched fate, To whom sweet poet's verse hath given endless date. There won't fair Venus often to enjoy Her dear Adonis' joyous company, And reap a sweet pleasure of the wanton boy. There yet some say in secret he does lie, Lapped in flowers and precious spicery, by her hid from the world and from the skill of Stygian gods, which do her love envy. But she herself, whenever that she will, possesseth him, and of his sweetness takes her fill. And sooth it seems, they say, for he may not for ever die, and ever buried be in baleful night, where all things are forgot. All be he subject to mortality, yet is eterne in mutability, and by succession made perpetual, transformed oft and challenged diversely, for him the father of all forms they call, therefore needs mote he live, that living gives to all. There now he liveth in eternal bliss, joying his goddess, and of her enjoyed, nay fareth he henceforth that foe of his, which with his cruel tusk him deadly cloyed. For that wild boar, the which him once annoyed, she firmly hath imprisoned for aye, that her sweet love his malice mote avoid, in a strong rocky cave, which is, they say, hewen underneath that mount, that none him loosen may. There now he lives in everlasting joy, with many of the gods in company, which thither haunt, and with the winged boy sporting himself in safe felicity, who, when he hath with spoils and cruelty ransacked the world, and in the woeful hearts of many wretches set his triumphs high, thither resorts, and laying his sad darts aside, with fair Adonis plays his wanton parts. And his true love fair Psyche with him plays, fair Psyche to him lately reconciled, after long troubles and unmeet upbraids, with which his mother Venus her reviled, and Aeg himself her cruelly exiled, but now in steadfast love and happy state, she with him lives, and hath him born a child, pleasure that doth both gods and men aggrate, 
pleasure the daughter of cupid and psyche late hither great venus brought this infant fair the younger daughter of chrysogony and unto psyche with great trust and care committed her if fostered to be and trained up in true femininity who no less carefully her tendered than her own daughter pleasure to whom she made her companion and her lessoned in all the lore of love and goodly womanhood in which when she to perfect ripeness grew of grace and beauty noble paragon she brought her forth into the world's view to be the sample of true love alone and lodestar of all chaste affection to all fair ladies that do live on ground to fairy court she came where many one admired her goodly haviour and found his feeble heart wide launched with love's cruel wound but she to none of them her love did cast save to the noble knight sir scudamore to whom her loving heart she linked fast in faithful love to bide for evermore and for his dearest sake endured sore sore trouble of an heinous enemy who her would force it have to have forlore her former love and steadfast loyalty as ye may elsewhere read that rueful history but well i ween ye first desire to learn what end unto that fearful damosel which fled so fast from that same foster stern whom with his brethren timius slew befell that was so wheat the goodly florimel who wandering for to seek her lover dear her lover dear her dearest marinel into misfortune fell as ye did hear and from prince arthur fled with wings of idle fear end of canto six book three the legend of Brito Martis.